Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 191 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Here we go, Carrick. Another really interesting week in games. We got to break down some walls between console barriers, some controversy with Anthem. We also got a little Fallout 76 roadmap. Everything is happening. I think pigs are going to fly next. So Yeah, no shit. Yeah, man. Let, let's get right into it. Before that, though, um, I just want to say that if you want to support the show, <laughs> patreon.com slash Place. All you can do is flick a buck. Flick a buck. Oh, by the way. Real quick, we got somebody who offered us a, a jingle. They watched the last podcast, and they're writing a jingle for Flickabuck. Really? This morning they contacted me. So just so you know, so <laughs> really? um, I don't know if you have the. I'm sure you have the ability. You're using Streamlabs or, yeah. or OBS. Yeah. Where you'd be able to play the tune. You know, like no like, fucking you know, way. Figure, yeah, yeah. They contacted me. They wanted to know. I just told them MP3, and I said like, you know, no longer than like, you know, five ten seconds. But yeah, they'll write a little jingle. Oh, let's go! I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot to tell you, I, I've been busy with the review for the Dirt Rally, so. Oh, of course, yeah. man, but that, yeah, oh my cool. God, that is, let's go. Do we have a name? Yeah. Um, it is. Or a username? It's just a, it's just a Twitter, so it shouldn't be bad. Uh, Q, Q Davis 58. What a, what an MLG yeah. pro. Let's go, Q Davis. They just said, I'll do three samples, and you guys can choose whichever one you like, free of charge, no catch. I'm just a fan, and, and I said, well, we can. You know, there's a way to like, you know, put a text on the bottom or something, and it doesn't even sound like he wants that. I just wow. thought it'd be cool to do. Well, thank you, Q Davis. I can't wait to hear this, man. This is yeah, news yeah, to that'd me. be awesome. <laughs> Let's go. I'm pumped. Um, and then yeah, so if you guys want to flick a buck, early access to the podcast, Patreon exclusive videos, Discord access, the list goes on. Carrick has one as well. Be sure to check that out. Give him some love there. Keep his lights on. And now let's get into this. Starting off with a Fallout 76 roadmap. Now, if you pay close attention to 76, you might have expected a, a big piece of news to drop. They do a Inside the Vault weekly series, and they had actually delayed it a full day, which they're pretty um, on top of things when it comes to that schedule. So for a lot of folks in the Fallout community, it signified that something big was coming. I didn't expect like a full, here's everything we're doing in 2019, and here's everything that's happening in the spring season. They really laid a lot into our laps. I have all the information right here. Uh, I'm just going to label all of the Wild Appalachia Spring 2019 um, DLC that's coming. It's all free. And then I'll also list what's coming later in the year. So we have Welcome to the Wild Appalachia, a mythical beast, a lost generation of scouts, and a strong brew, uh, the strongest brew this side of the wasteland, uh, which adds brewing and distilling to your camp. There's the Fosnock Parade, which is a limited-time event. You can get a Fosnock mask, which looks terrifying. Uh, there's the new survival mode being added, which removes the PVP limitations. And I think that will really bring in a lot more people playing the game, especially streaming For wise, because sure. streaming wise, you're going to have some unique player encounters. And I think you're going to see a lot more moments shared with Fallout 76 at that point in time. I personally know I'll be playing it then on Twitch. I, I can't wait. Um, that, that looks like a really fun time to me because it was one of my biggest gripes of the game. Uh, April 9th, we have player vending and also on April 9th is sheer terror uh, it says, unlock the encrypted secrets of Appalachia in this new series of quests and encounters to separate monsters from myths. So it sounds like some type of myth hunting quest line. Uh, you've got a camera being added, which to me, it's, I mean, the game had a pretty solid photo mode. So maybe they're expanding on that a little bit more um, instead of going into the menu and all that stuff. Because you, you, uh, you have to press start and then open up the photo mode from there. Maybe they're, they're adding this camera into your inventory so you can just pull it out and use it whenever. 
Um, then May 7th after that is Ever Upwards. Those are more quests where we have Journey to the Deepest Reaches of the Woods with new stories for the Legendary Pioneer Scouts and a customizable backpack for increased utility. So I'm not sure what the backpack exactly offers. Perhaps more carry space for your character. Um, they're saying increased utility, so maybe some type of crafting on the go. That'd be interesting right. to see. Um, but Legendary Vendor is the last edition in the spring season. Um, and it says, locate the mysterious purveyor to exchange and scrap your unwanted legendary items and, for legendary gear. And I'd seen a comparison for Destiny, folks, that he's kind of like Xur, I think was, is how you say it? X-U-R? Xur? 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 Yeah, uh, apparently there's a similarity. Oh, you mean in two. Destiny? Yeah, in Destiny, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Uh, apparently gotcha. there's a similarity between those two. I, I am not okay. super well-versed in, in Destiny because I don't really like the game. Uh, but lastly, we'll just talk uh, briefly the information that Bethesda gave us about the next two events, or rather seasons, for this roadmap. Uh, one in the summer, one in the fall. So we've got Nuclear Winter in the summer 2019, and then Wastelanders in fall 2019. I think Wastelanders is going to be really interesting for folks. Uh, Nuclear Winter is a brand new mode being added to Fallout 76. We really don't know what that is yet. They just, even on the Bethesda Net article, they were like, yeah, it's just a new mode. Um, they're adding also high-level vault raids for Vault 94 and 96, which I think is pretty exciting. I think raids are a really good time, and with Fallout 76 needing a, a lot of focus on team play, I hope that um, they, they really find a good balancing act for that. Um, they're also adding new features like a prestige system, uh, which pretty much once you hit level 50, you can prestige and unlock new powerful abilities. And I think that'll be cool too. Like Maybe you can permanently keep one of the mutations or something like that. I would like that personally. Uh, last is, like I said, Wastelanders. And I think the most exciting bit about this, and the only little bit of detail we have on Wastelanders, is it's adding a new main quest, some new factions. And that main quest, apparently, according to a Bethesda Net article, but you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of trust right now in their quest writers, has choice and consequence. They say true choices and consequence. Mm -hmm. Now, I trust in their ability to do choice and consequence because of Far Harbor, but I don't because of 76. You know what I'm saying? Like, they've done it before. Yeah. But they've also failed pretty bad before, too. So uh, that that's pretty much the entirety of the 2019 roadmap. Everything you need to know. Carrick, how do you feel about this? I know you didn't really even play a ton of Fallout 76, right? And so does this scream to you, all right, time to come back. All right, time to give it a shot. Or just a wait and see. Because I, I sit on the fence of periodically checking in because I'm a creator. But um, I know if I'm a fan, I'd probably wait till there's a nice full, like the season's done in May, and then you got a lot of new toys to play with. Nuclear Winter interests me just because the rumor I heard is that it's like a reverse battle royale where you have to in some way scramble away from radiation from a dropped bomb huh? and like kill people. And that, that was a rumor, by the way. I just yeah, want to say, but the that. idea and, and what they, yeah, and what they show in the on their page sort of, that would be something that no one's done right now because every battle royale has you running into a smaller and smaller area. Right. So the idea of maybe trying to figure out a way to sort of reverse that, especially with nukes going off and maybe your radiation counters going up and you're like, I only have a certain amount of time to do what I need. We all have to escape to one area or something, you know, and so it's sort of funneling you. That would be cool. No, this is actually far more interesting to me than um, Fallout 76 has ever actually been. I, the PvP I, it is interesting, but just because I haven't even played the original, I, I can't say how much that would add. Right. Um, but all the other stuff, and I'm seeing, I'm looking on their page, this mm -hmm. the, the Bethesda, and looking at their picture, and it's like, if this is all for 2019, that's 
a lot. Yeah, right. And that, yeah, like all Wild Appalachia says all new quests, game mode features, and more than Nuclear War says all new game mode, and the Wasteland says all new main quest events features. That's a lot. So if we find out that they're not just quests like go here, go there kind of thing, which is what sort of Fallout 76 has now, and they're a little bit more in-depth, and they're not like Anthem, then like that would actually cause me to for sure get into it. Like, 100%. Like, all this actually looks like basically what I was hoping Fallout 76 would have looked like um, day one or or close to it. Yeah, I mean, that's the story with these games. And a lot of people uh, have engaged in that conversation with Anthem, which we'll we'll get into in a couple of segments of of how, uh, you know, these games as a service launch, they're never as good. And a year down the line, they're they're exactly what folks have been looking for. And you you see the, the conversation turn up on how great it is. And I said with Fallout 76, I wouldn't be surprised. If a year from now, even though I didn't want this, by the way, that a year from now we'd hear the conversation of, here's why you should play it. I, I really wanted Bethesda right. to be that company who broke the mold and did it right day one. They didn't. Um, we don't need to get into that for the millionth time. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like what you suggested about the rumor. Once again, rumor. I like yeah. Reverse Battle Royale because even Apex Legends, I think it's fun. I played a ton of it last night. I put it in my Discord for Patreon. I, I said another night lost to Apex. You know, it's still addicting. It's still fun. Gunplay's fantastic. But uh, someone needs to spin the formula in the terms of, okay, ring closing, ring closing. Uh, right. Needs yeah, to it absolutely has to happen. And I would like ring expanding, ring expanding, and somehow aggregating players to, to fight each other in yeah. that sense, even though you're pushing them away from one another. Oh, imagine just a battle to get to a number of bunkers. Maybe there's three bunkers, yeah, and it's almost survival. like a League, League of Legends where there's three alleys to mm. do everything. But here and it's like, yeah, survival. Like, like hold the number of people, maybe? Yeah. Can you imagine getting to that? Ooh. And they're like, the 20 are filled up and the bunker door shut. And you're like, I got to go over there now. And yeah. and that battle that would happen because you want to kill your the people around mm. you so that you can take that spot in the bunker. Interestingly, you have that new potential battle royale mode dropping in summer, probably around E3 time. So I'd imagine this is something that's going to be mentioned during their conference. And I, I wouldn't even be remotely surprised. Folks, bookmark this. I want this to be... Post it all over social media when I'm right. That they'll probably they'll probably drop it fucking day one. Like announce it's available now, because th- th- this game needs that type of excitement. It needs that instantaneous stuff. Like people don't like Fallout 76. Uh, it's very much I feel I-, I still say it to this day. Like ESO day one. ESO is fucking good now. It is such a good game now because of its expansions. Though I don't think it's vanilla game is that great. And Fallout 76 same thing. It's vanilla game is not good. But I feel like with these expansions, if done right and, and, and if released properly, uh, much like ESL, which every every year for I think the last three years now, June 6th, around June 6th, there is some type of new expansion that comes out that is promoted at E3. And I feel like with 76, it would be more exciting if they're like tomorrow or hey, today, here's the brand new game mode that, that really twists Battle Royale a bit on its head. I, I think that would do them justice. And it fits... It fits the the, the Fallout theme, it, it running away from a nuclear explosion. Yeah, and they say so. They say spring, then summer, then fall. And to me, I personally believe 2019. Though there's a lot of good games, it is leaner than 2018. So it feels like yeah. Fallout could end up capturing a lot of attention because we've got through a couple of the big games. We really have. I mean, they yeah. really. I mean, I don't think we'll be hearing about some of these big games in a little while. Even even like something like Crackdown, which was years to develop and. and so there's, I think there's a little bit of a gap for them to say, hey, man, you're not playing this anymore. Maybe you're a little tired of Apex's one map. I think of right? Rocket League in a weird way. Just dropped at the perfect oh. time. Yeah, yeah. And this feels like there, it's a good spread, too, because like spring, 
You get some stuff. We're already coming down off of some of the big titles in spring. You get something. Summer's always a little bit dead. Now you have nuclear winter in summer, which I find odd, by the way. That, <laughs> yeah, true, that true. Nu- And what I mean by that is, well, odd just because nuclear winter in summer, but also is that their plan? Is there something, like, is there a thought process there that they didn't do it in fall, which is mm. a, just makes a little bit more, like, mental sense? So to me, this is actually a really good release list for 2019 because, like I said, I think we're actually a little lean. So yeah, it could be something where people are just like, "What are you playing?" Well, you know, I'm you know I'm not doing Blackout. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Well, Fallout's got, you know, you're coming down off of the spring stuff, and suddenly summer, spring and summer, only two month basically difference away, and it's like suddenly you now have nuclear winter, which to me that's awesome. Especially when I, I look at this roadmap and uh, content's pretty much deviated evenly throughout each month. It's really um. You get the camera April 16th, which I don't think is a really substantial addition to the game. But you get the camera then, and then it's not until May 7th that you get quests. And before that, May 9th is when you get, like, your your newest feature. Or, I'm sorry, April 9th is when you get your newest features, which are Sheer Terror and Player Vending, which are... Oh, so they're not even doing a one-day... In spring, everything comes. No, which I like. I know some people... So do I. Yeah, that's interesting. I I like it because it it keeps... This is is what I imagine Fallout 76. Exactly. I I have things to consistently look forward to, to try out. I don't need to sink hours and hours after a big content patch. I like to just dip in and out with these games. I like to, you know, a couple hours. All right, new quest done. A couple hours. Let's try the brewing, distilling. Okay, done. Fast Knack Parade. Oh, sweet. I got the new mask. Let's go. I'm done. And and because of that, a lot of that comes from, for me, RuneScape. You know, when the Christmas event, come mm-hmm. in, Chris, you know, it's Christmas yeah. Day. Come in, do the Christmas quest, grab my new Santa hat, leave. All right, cool. Got Did, did that. Limited events over. Move on. Um, you know, the only thing that's going to keep me playing an extensive period of time, which is a smart drop, and they're doing this intelligently, I feel, because they're surrounding, like, a big mode with little content drops that are that are unique enough to... to really start building more of a player base again because you got survival yeah. in the middle of new quests based on myths brewing and distilling a legendary vendor which i think will i said this also in my video i think the legendary vendor will will be more effective when you also have the the prestiging character system in play in the in the uh the summer um where you can like really upgrade your guy and start recycling all those leftover legendary right. weapons and start putting them into use on this new character and, and creating pretty much new builds um, what do you think, though, about Wastelanders, how they, they say word for word, true choice and consequence? How do you think they're yeah. going to do that with no no human NPCs? That's still one thing that even the pictures I'm looking at in, in uh, Wastelanders right now. They're um, running away with gold. Yeah, like a heist. Right? That's like a heist. Thought. That's what I thought. Like oh. they're stealing money from a vault. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And it's a main quest, so like a multi-story or a multi-quest event. But they also say new events are being added, which none of these say, by the way. It says new, you know, I'm looking at all the little emblems. It says new quest mode, features mm-hmm. mode, level raids, uh, features, main quest, events. New events, events, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I feel this Wastelanders expansion is going to have like a theme. Um, I don't know what the story is going to be, but then the events... Maybe that's like the heist, or maybe that's the, well, see, the, the speculated <laughs> team deathmatch mode that was found in by data miners uh, a while. Oh, ago. did data miners find that? Um, a while ago. I, to find everything. I I would also say one of the cool things is, is if you don't like one of these, since it's so staggered, 
and there's so many little tiny updates. It's cool because mm -hmm. if you're like, the camera doesn't matter to me. Well, guess what? Then there's a new quest later. And then you're like, well, yeah. I, I don't really like the quest. Well, guess what? There's survival mode. And you're like, oh, okay. And maybe you like one and then not the other, then the next thing, then not the other. That This is something I've actually asked for for almost any, well, any games of service, but any MMO is and only a couple, like Star Trek Online, strangely enough, is one of the few MMOs that continually releases. DC Universe Online does it too, where they release like once every week, or sorry, once every month or every two months, right. where they release a an actual update with content and with changes and stuff. And I've always wanted that. We don't see it in a lot of games. A lot of times it's expansion. It's like Destiny and then Destiny's expansion. Yeah. And, and, and so to uh, me, I like this. Especially because it's looking like uh, another thing I picked up on when looking at the roadmap is it doesn't seem to be adding kind of like typical Bethesda Game Studios DLC where they, they say, here's going to Maine. Here, let's let's go to a new location. Um, there doesn't seem to be that. This seems to be all within the same map. Like they're, they're really filling out what's here. You know what else I just noticed? What's up? You're looking at the same picture I think I am, right, with all the icons? Yeah. If you look at where Wastelanders is and you look at high-level vaults and then right after it you look at new features, he's got a crown and they've got money. Hmm. So it says new features. Why is, why is Pip-Boy wearing a crown? They say that's the prestige system. Oh, okay. But, okay, but, gotcha. Because like, for a second, I, I, I was like... I think that's the five oh, stars. The crown, the crown okay. could be something different. If uh... For a second, I was like, the crown being like, what if, you know, some, you know, like you are doing something where you're mm -hmm. trying to steal from somebody who controls a bunch of shit and you go in and do a heist, but I got gotcha. you. Okay. My guess is they're going to keep running with the, the robot thing because the new features icon for Wastelanders kind of looks like you're waving to a little robot. And I was like, oh, man, you know, probably going to add. Where's like, that one? Uh, oh, gotcha. Bottom okay. right. Yeah, yeah, I see. It, it kind of yeah. looks like a, uh, you know, like they're taming. It looks like a, a legged version of what's his name from Fallout 4, the butler. Yeah, Mr. Handy. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah, I, I feel like they'll add some type of automatron system. <gasps> could be cool. Sorry, and you're right. If you look at new events, that does look like a battle. It does look like a team running to the right. Mm. So what if that is the team battle thing that I you mean, were talking about? You know, because when you look at the complete picture, by the end of that year, let's say you've got survival mode, you've got this this new potential battle royale, you've got raids, you've got new quests being added with each update, you've got a prestige system, legendary uh, cycling, player vendors, a new main quest, team deathmatch, um, I mean, would that would that not be a, a, a substantial addition to what was a pretty shallow game at launch? I'd say so. Um, a lot of people, myself included, said, uh, you know, what was wrong with the game was its its fundamental core. But if they're going to alter the core, like for example, the survival mode, or they're going to drastically change it in a mode like nuclear right. Ranger, like we speculated about. And they're going to commit to a vision multiplayer with things like raids, prestige systems, legendary uh, vendors. And then they're also going to – that seems to be their focus early on. But then they're, they're going to do what they kind of made the mistake at launch uh, and try to split it up and do like, okay, now we're going to focus on the single player guys. Like we're going to have a, a main quest now with choice and consequence. Um, but what, what's got me most encouraged is that um, they got a game plan. We know when to expect what. We know what yeah. player base is being satisfied when. And if I'm someone who's who's like, okay, I don't like Fallout 76, like myself, I don't think the vanilla game's good. 
and you're looking to get back in, come back once the full season's done. Not end of the year, I'm talking. But come back once Wild Appalachia's done dropping everything. Because I feel if you come back on March 12th, you play Welcome to Wild Appalachia, you, you brew a couple of things, you do the Welcome to Wild Appalachia, what looks to be a quest, that's not going to change anything with the game. You're not... I don't think you're playing what is ultimately uh, a vision for Bethesda to say, like, here's everything new. But if you drop in right. May 23rd, you got you got some leftover legendary items from when you last played. You got the new player vending, so you can buy stuff from other players. You got uh, the Fosnock Parade you'll actually have to tap into at some point. But you got the survival mode at that point. You've got two new quest packages. Then you got the brewing distilling to tinker with. I think you got a, a decent amount of content to fuck around with. Uh, versus if you just come in March 12th, which I, I, I strongly, if you do not like the game and you're looking to give it a, a shot, uh, I don't think you're going to find anything right off the bat that's going to change your opinion. But I think a lot of people, I think what Bethesda's doing here is, is adding just some, some nice content early on, and I think Nuclear Winters where they're looking to make a, a big turnaround, if you ask me. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, that's, their, kind of, like I think that's their end goal, personally. But um, we'll We'll see. You know, fingers crossed that it turns it around. I'd love to see a BGS title really rise up from the ashes here. But uh, now we've got ourselves a Game Pass situation. A really interesting one. So a rumor had released late last night from Game Informer that Microsoft is bringing Game Pass and published titles to the Nintendo Switch. Then Therot.com posted an article saying the following uh in june microsoft will be heading to los angeles where the company will be announcing or will be hosting its annual e3 keynote and even though sony won't be there microsoft is not holding back on making significant announcements which carrick you and i had said right away when sony pulled out microsoft is, is going to step up and and, and literally yeah. slam dunk at any point they can they are going to have i think historically one of their best conferences because they have to and yeah. they're going to probably pre-announce things that they don't want to, but just for the sake of hype and talk, I think they're going to do it because the show can be theirs completely. They can win E3 because um, their biggest competition is just not showing up. Um, anyway, the article continues. Microsoft will not be shipping its next-gen consoles until fall of 2020, but the company is preparing to talk more about the hardware this year at E3 2019. According to people familiar with the company's plans, don't expect to hear about pricing just yet. But the company wants it to be known they are moving on full steam ahead with the upcoming Lockhart and Anaconda devices, which they will begin to peel back the onion on these two devices. Last year, the company teased Halo Infinite, which we saw in a trailer, and that title will be a launch game for the upcoming hardware. With a brand new game engine, the team behind the game is trying to make the story adapt to decisions the user makes, and the game may have more RPG elements than previous entries of the series. Uh, what else is the company going to be talking about? Game Pass will receive a few updates this year. And, of course, expect the company to highlight new titles coming to the platform as well. Now, I also want to add in this. Um, I'm collabing with Spawnwave Media. Uh, he hopped on my channel for a video I'm releasing, which will be released by the time this podcast is out. But um, he had mentioned in his brief moment on the on the video, about two minutes, that... Um, there is this xCloud streaming service that Microsoft touted early last year, saying early this year we'd be able to start playing it. We hadn't heard much about it, and now that rumor pops up. So the chances of Nintendo uh, getting Game Pass and streaming games onto it seems to be coming sooner rather than later. What I, I had originally imagined would be a you know pretty significant announcement coming 
at E3 uh, very much may be something before then that we see much sooner than we expected. So, Carrick, you know what this means, man? KOTOR on what? Switch. Oh, I have a feeling it won't be all the Game Pass games, though. You have a feeling? Let's hear Let's hear why this is your feeling. Crush my heart. <clears throat> so, so about a month ago, GDC accidentally released a panel with writing on it that said Microsoft was doing this. That's why I was surprised about this being a new leak because GDC's panel was already written and it said Microsoft is and Microsoft and Nintendo working together with game with Xbox live mm. and putting it on the switch. That was a um, GDC has subsequently deleted that, but people have screenshots of it. Um, so I think GDC, which is February, if I remember right, right, should be now should be the end of this. It's either the end of this week or next month. I believe that that happens. Um, the but the the rumor I heard was that it will it will you'll for sure see an overlap. There is definitely Ori and the Blind Forest is the physical that seems release. Like a good fit, yeah, yeah. Um, and then some games will be streamable. The big issue that it appears that they are having is um, people don't remember that if you want to stream Resident Evil Seven on your Switch, you have to be in Japan because that's where their servers are. Of course, right. America has all these servers everywhere. It's much easier. Um, but I would assume that we. This is just my personal opinion, is that we won't see every single game come out on the Switch. We'll most likely see some kind of partnership between them where certain games that they think fit the Switch, because one of the things to remember is though the Switch has got a little risque lately, there are some particular titles that Mm -hmm. I don't see Nintendo wanting on their Switch. At least right now. What, what maybe that's be like, like the more mature well, those are, ones. Maybe more Gears of War style thing. You know, your chains. Like I don't it, like it. Just takes longer for Nintendo to okay that than it does other companies. And so I could see instead of trying to blanket okay them, of course, also understanding that Microsoft does not own the rights to any of the games in Game Pass. They have to get the rights to just be on Game Pass. So this means they have to buy in with the third party companies to get them on the Switch as well. Right. So there's a dual step there that a lot of people are forgetting. So it's Microsoft and then whomever they got the rights for, because a lot of them are third-party titles too. So they've got to get that okay. They got to get the Bioware okay. Which I, which Bioware, I, I, it's not that I really meant that wouldn't come. It's just I think that what we will see is select titles at first for sure. Right. My, I don't my think that was not to cut you off, but I, no, that's I, all right. I had originally imagined if because this deal doesn't get slapped together overnight, right? So I, I thought yeah. to myself, okay probably would this have been in writing before like hey these we're talking with nintendo these games you're agreeing to put on game pass may end up on the switch and i don't think like every game like i don't think we're gonna see what's a random fucking game on game pass well Uh, like like not dead or alive but i mean you know what i mean anything risky like that i assume nintendo has a different step than than other companies. I don't think it's literally going to be every game, but I imagine the the, the highly touted ones, and and I think it would be really interesting. Like, I've heard people say Gears 5, like, that'll be something you can stream on your Switch. Um, But the the other concern I really do have is is connection, because I don't think the Wi-Fi adapter is is not super strong on the Switch. It's not. Um, You can get the adapter to plug in a LAN cable and get that working on the Switch, but I think they need something that, like, natively supports that. You know, it, right. it's built into a new version of the Switch, and it allows for a stronger connection where you can play uh, these the, games that are streamed in a lot easier the, without worrying about lag. Yeah, without lag. And the big issue also is to remember that Nintendo's chat system is not the same as Microsoft's. 
So you have to look at how Microsoft is going to overlay their chat because Nintendo has particular rules for chat that Microsoft doesn't. And so I could see that being an issue um, where they sort of have to decide, like, what are they going to allow? What are they, right. you know, is it going to be non-multiplayer games, maybe? You know, game, so they don't even have to worry about that right now. But since Nintendo's so behind in the online market in all ways, including chat, their inability to even figure out their own chat systems... Um, it, it, but on the other hand, it also might mean that, you know, maybe Nintendo and Microsoft work together and Microsoft helps them fix their chat and bring it up to par. I was that just could about also to happen. say, you know, it, it, that is true. But I also wonder if there's the possibility that Nintendo got their act together for their online stuff. My, my other idea was, you know, will they take what is now the current version of PS Now where you can download some games and natively stream some on the console? I, I wonder if it's just if it's all going to be streaming constantly or if there are going to be some games like you mentioned ori probably being physical i feel that right. makes sense because that's such a great fit for the system yeah but uh like we'll stick with the kotor example or a, a halo master chief collection that you could play on your switch that would be ridiculous but you know is that something and mind you master chief collection what is that like a hundred gig game or something crazy like that yeah and it would have to be massive. ported at that point yeah so and really, the, really big. what what about this? I mean, what if they say, okay, you can stream from your, you can stream from servers, but if you have an Xbox as well, you can stream from your Xbox because right now the Xbox can stream to PCs. Mm, so you can stream kind of like a remote yeah, you, play with the Vita. Are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Which is what I actually think Microsoft is looking forward to on their own front too. I've been talking about that for a while on the channel, where I'm not hundred percent sure you'll ever see a handheld from them, but you could see a handheld screen from them. And they're like, if your Xbox is there turned on, you can stream to this screen with a nice controller set up so that they don't have to worry about all the other shit. Because one of the biggest problems with the 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 um, Switch is battery power as well as just heat, size, all this stuff. Right. But if it's just a screen, and if it's just, you know, then, then you'd be lucky. One nice thing about streaming also is if you're streaming to the Switch, you're not using the Switch's CPU to do anything other than decode the frame. So you're not computing anything, which that's why I do believe that Microsoft, like I would see Microsoft definitely doing that, being like, you have, have you got Game Pass on your Xbox? Just download it there. Otherwise, you can go onto the servers. But the latency thing will be there regardless because the Switch's Wi-Fi is not great. You are right on that. They do tout like some that... pretty powerful cloud streaming services, though. When you, when you look at, for example, what they've done with Crackdown's multiplayer we saw examples mm -hmm. of the the X Cloud earlier last year, where we we saw console games being played on phones with an Xbox controller. Yep. Obviously, yep. those it's a marketing video. Those are extreme examples. I feel, but if that if a phone, why not a Switch? Is my thought process. Very much so. Yep. Yeah. Especially it, except that I think those phones would have the same issue, right? With right. latency yeah, too. Like you know, because it is wireless. I don't even know about you, but I plug my consoles in. Even though I have a wire, I have a very powerful wireless signal, and the Xbox oh, X always. is pretty close. I still because I can tell like weird shit will start happening, even though it's like five you know gig or whatever. It's like the fastest Wi-Fi. It's right there. There it still doesn't feel for me exactly right. Um, for me, it is always the PlayStation parties when I have wired connection and I'm in a party oh, with my friends. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. works just fine when i'm in a wireless party i'll get net type errors i won't be able to hear certain people i'll get booted right. randomly it's the weirdest shit it's just something wired that works infinitely better and obviously it makes sense it's a direct connection but um still yeah i, I do the same thing because i feel like this half a second of latency i feel 
that's that's also online. my personal opinion of why all of this is happening i, I have t- talked about it a little bit before but is because microsoft bought the companies the various different companies and are still supposedly looking um but they have about a three-year development cycle i would guess so let's say that development cycle started six months ago one of the best ways to sort of fill that out is to have nintendo fans suddenly be your consumers right and so you're making, and I think Microsoft is like, yeah, we can make money on games, but we can also make money on putting our games on other people's systems, and we don't have a problem with that. Now, I think they would have a problem with Sony. I think Microsoft and Sony, uh, Sony has a problem with everybody. But, <laughs> I mean, like, Nintendo's, I uh, honestly believe a lot of this also came about with Rabbids, uh, the Rabbids game, mm-hmm. because I think when you see a giant publisher that is the size, technically, of the gaming division at Microsoft, Ubisoft is huge, and they work I think that did make, and of course, Phil Spencer's been open to this too, but it, it makes everybody look and go, what can we do? Sony, right. I just don't think feels they need to do anything. And I think Microsoft oh, yeah. is like, we definitely need to do something. What do we do? Well, we buy some development teams, but they have three years. What do we do in the center? And they're like, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. Let's make Switch fans our fans. What if you're playing a Switch game and you like it? And you're like, you know what? I'd, I'd rather play this at... 4k on my xbox x and they buy an xbox x because of it it's also a really smart long-term decision because you you've successfully at this point turned game pass into not just an exclusive thing like you could be a switch owner owning game pass you don't even have to buy the system and i think you know when you look at the sales numbers or download numbers player numbers whichever one you want to use for game pass titles it's proof in the pudding man like this this service makes a lot of money for microsoft and definitely makes a difference and they're thinking well, we have such a tiny little Xbox family. Make more money. Yeah, right? Like in the scheme of things <laughs> yeah. compared to a, a Sony, they don't have as big of a player base. What if they expanded to the fastest growing console on the market right, right. now? Who, Which will help likes. Nintendo. Nintendo didn't yeah. wake up and say, let's just help Microsoft, right? Like you can bet us. I mean, if I was at Nintendo and Microsoft came and said, we want to try this, I'd be like, holy shit. Well, yeah, it, imagine and, you're buying a system yes. and someone's trying to sell it on you. You're like, here's Zelda... Here's Astral Chain. You know, here's all these fucking amazing looking games that are exclusive to your Switch. Oh, and you can also buy Xbox or you can access Xbox games through yeah. this thing. Yeah. Imagine that. Now, and it, it gets depends. Xbox more Game Pass subscribers. Right, right, right. right. To, to me, I feel it all depends on if you need an Xbox or not to properly stream it. If it's like a remote play, like a, a PS4 to Vita, where you, you know, you, you turn off the, the television screen and you change it to something else and, the, and then the image streams to your Vita... Uh, I, I don't personally find that the, the most mind-shattering, exciting thing in the world. But if I can legitimately have a Game Pass app on my Switch and start that up and start streaming, once again, I'll go back to it, KOTOR, you know, that, that's that's an exciting premise to me. That has me I think, legitimately pumped to, to do. I think that's the more interesting premise, but I think a mix is probably what we'll get. Just because of the internet problems, we talked about the, the chat of the problems, game, right? It does, I yeah. Like and it, I mean, Master Chief it, would probably just stream dude, from console. Would, to... Yeah, because it would destroy your fucking jeez, or, <laughs> so or what if you're on a bandwidth? So here's the thing: a lot of us have bandwidth uh, restrictions, but you so wouldn't have a bandwidth restriction if you had your console in your house right. and your console streaming. So what if they say, "Hey, there's multiple ways to do it: stream from servers. You're good to go if, if you like that. If you're not, then you could always get an Xbox, and you can do it that way, or your PC. This is another thing that people don't remember is that Phil Spencer said his number one job right now is to completely refix all of the Windows Store and make it uh, so that all Game Pass games that are on Xbox are on PC. If that works out, then I don't even think you would need an Xbox. You would just also need a PC. So then you have your PC doing it. 
the only negative I see about all this is something you had brought up and I had forgot about, which is that the actual wireless system in the Switch is not good. Yeah. And so you you do have to get around that. And I don't know how you get around that other than a whole new switch. Uh, oh yeah, or or yeah, or a, some kind of game driver. And some people have released game drivers for some stuff where the game driver turns off everything else and it's just made for one specific thing. It's like Vulcan for for uh, PC computing. They could mm-hmm. do that too. But yeah, it's exciting for sure for both of them because I also feel this is just one step closer to seeing like you know, like Master Chief in Smash, we already know, you know, there's rumors of that. There's always been rumors yeah. of that. Matter of fact, wasn't he in a Smash at one time? Maybe no, I'm wrong. No, no. No. Um, but you've got these characters that could be in other games, and it seems like Nintendo and Microsoft are... are Microsoft's probably the perfect company to usher Nintendo into the 2000s, because they're in the <laughs> 1990s still. That's so like, true. It'd be yeah. so cool to see some of this stuff, especially with with that rumor. Yeah, I think it's it's all but confirmed officially now that that you're going to see a Microsoft character in Smash. It just makes sense at this point, and it would just be the icing. Do you on know who'd be awesome? Her. Ori. It would be. I'd like Ori that. would fit perfectly in that. Yeah, I mean, he's got multiple little attacks. Like it would be a goofy character. He's beloved. Pretty. I mean, he's sort of become this weird de facto Microsoft um, mascot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something like that would be fun. You know what I think you were thinking of, actually? Because you mentioned Chief and Smash. Were you thinking of the Arbiter in Killer Instinct? That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that, that just hit me. Because Killer Instinct is such a good game. And, and they've added, was it Toad or whatever? Yeah, they added Toad. Um, I don't know if they're adding anything more right now. But I would assume that's because I would assume this E3 we will hear about Killer Instinct too. That's my personal belief. I would hope so. That was... Like, I still say it to this day. That is one of my favorite games on the Xbox One. It was a free-to-play game that came out on day one. Gorgeous. Yeah. It's gotten so many changes. I bet if I went back right now, it would be a completely different game. Yeah, it's got a bunch of changes, a bunch of new characters. Um, That's why I think, like, these two companies working together is sort of cool because you may not think that they would work well together, but they they both have some weaknesses that Mm. the other one might be able to help. I mean... It'd be sort of cool if, let's say, a Nintendo team came over to Microsoft. And remember, there were pictures of Phil Spencer last year in, in February at Nintendo's headquarters and All at right. Sega's and at Konami's, and people couldn't figure out, like, what he was doing there. What if what he was doing there is saying, let's, you know, we need your help. We're trying to build games, and we're not having the best, you know, exact luck. Maybe you get some Nintendo DNA rubbed up in there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you start doing it that way. I think it's awesome. I personally love it. I don't get challenged by it like a lot of people. Like, I want it on one thing. It's like, fuck that. I want it on everything. I don't see why, especially if you're a Switch owner. Like, you, I feel like you should want this because, oh, as God, I said, yeah. you, you, it's just so much more value for your console. It, literally, if Microsoft adds one game. One Kingdoms game, of Amalar on yeah. your Switch. And you just, all you need, you, you pay for one month, you play it, you beat it, and then you can unsubscribe if you don't want any anything yeah. else. But, like, that, that's all you need to do. It adds so much value to your console. And if you're a Microsoft owner, uh, or rather Xbox One owner, do you think this devalues their console? Let's say you're an exclusive Xbox One off owner. No, because I think that people always forget that some people, that, like, there's an allotted amount of money people have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, even for myself, I didn't get a Switch for a while because I couldn't afford it. So, it's like... A person who has an Xbox One, a lot of people will say, oh, it's on the PC, I'll just get it on that. Yes, for $1,500 for your PC, sure. So you just bought something for $1,500 plus the 60 bucks for the game. Or 
for two ninety nine or three ninety nine, you buy an Xbox and you play it just fine. So I, I think overall it doesn't devalue it. In fact, I think all that happens is in the long run, more games come to all the systems. Because I don't think this will just be one way. I absolutely don't. I do I not think, think Nintendo stuff is going to come to Xbox. Yeah, in some way, Phil Spencer, the, man, like if there's any jack of trade, it's Phil Spencer. He, I mean, he is a huge Nintendo fan. He is a huge, like if, if there's anybody out there who's like, hey, do you want your game on our system or whatever? And, and we can do it. He actually seems like the only one that's actually been really, really, really open to it. Except that and, remastering KOTOR. Fuck that. He had yeah. to like publicly respond to a tweet. He's like, let me see what we can do with EA. And that was like five years ago. And I'm, I'm still sitting here yeah. waiting. Yeah, it's probably EA these days. But uh, <laughs> who, who, know, who knows what happened there? But yeah, yeah no, I, I, I could definitely see it um, helping out all the systems. Also, I mean, it allows Microsoft to sort of do multiple things where they say, oh, if you want to switch, you've got our games. If you want to buy the brand new systems, they're going to play them and look better. Right. If you, I mean, so to them, the they've already stated very clearly, they even had a spreadsheet that was like, here's your Xbox, here's your mid-range PC, here's your high-end PC. So they believe the, that's why the Xbox has mouse and keyboard support. Because they're just like, we're just giving you a contained PC and with some guarantees on performance that a lot of PCs won't have, you know? And mm-hmm. so to me, I don't, I don't really think it devalues it it would depend a couple years we might be saying something different but i think for right now i don't think i don't think they care because i think this is the last non-streaming full all of them doing streaming service uh console console generation oh okay yeah because you think yeah i agree i think it's gonna all go yeah. digital soon yeah because you got about eight years for, you got from now and then you have your release and in two years i think is what they said now for uh, the year sorry next year for the uh the xboxes and then you have about five to six years and i think by then internet is where it's supposed to be not for everybody there's always going to be those people that don't have internet which i i don't know if they're going to be left behind i guess that's the question if we're still alive we'll be doing ham radio broadcast eight thousand, and we're yeah. going to be talking about like where you know what do people do if they don't have the internet all the time mm-hmm. which is a very valid worry yeah it really is but I hope that pans out too. I I hope that physical is always supported because I think you'll see. Yep. If it's not, too. I feel you'll see more limited run game style companies rise up to get physical copies out to the wild, albeit in a limited fashion. But I I think that's what you're going to start to see more of because um, I feel just if you're like a an opportunist, you know, you want to create a business, you see that hole right there in the market. Okay, they're not going to make physical copies. I will. Yeah, it's a great. That's a great business. Whoever came up with that, that's very fucking smart. Like I said, limited I, run is intelligent. I think it's. Man. I think it's genius, especially because I saw that I saw a fucking deal. You with saw them the meeting, out. right? Yeah. yeah, and it was the most fucking amazing shit I've ever seen. Hey, you want to put Strangers Wrath on Vita? Shrugs his shoulders. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, well, I'll email you. Walks away. Yeah, I was, I was like, motherfucker, that's insane. <laughs> I really do believe that's how a lot of these uh, these companies are starting to work. I know Phil Spencer made mm-hmm. a deal, and it was it was basically like over dinner, just like talking and going like, okay, let's just do this. Like this all seems to work out, and I like that kind of stuff. I think, in all honesty, too, in a weird way, without all the paperwork and all the rigmarole, it it causes a little bit more flexibility in everybody coming up with something artistically yeah. and you know interesting or an interesting idea like that, where it's just like, hey, do you want to do this game? And there's not this, let me talk to my lawyer, or let blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, and then you go fix the shit yeah. that's going to pop up, right? You're, yeah, sure. Because I feel like gaming has become such a, 
there's no guarantees, right? But like, I feel, right. I feel it's grown so much that there's less of that. Oh, this is a risky vision that won't do as well nowadays. I feel like when you see the most popular style of games right now being battle royale, which came from a free to play game that had a horde mode building focus that was set up to fail. You can't help but look at that, and at least even if you hate Fortnite, go, wow, anything is fucking possible. Yeah. And and, and that uh, Mario, which was a 2D side-scrolling brick-breaker game, is now like a 3D open-level coin-collecting, yeah. moon-collecting-thon. You know, I, I feel like there is no limit. Mario and Rabbids actually would probably have been a better example. Wow, let's combine this invisible Ubisoft license and actually make them lovable, popular characters in some of gaming's most favorite mascots and actually have a legitimate XCOM-style strategy game inside that all that works well, that is fun to play. I mean, dude, that's that's like a risky vision, I feel, back then. But nowadays, it's just anything can succeed. People love gaming. People love new ideas. And I feel there's a lot more... Because we've talked about the hardcore and the people who are just like, I don't, I don't pay attention to any news. I just look at a copy on the shelf, looks cool, got it. Mm-hmm. And I feel there's more people informing themselves, and there's more people dedicating themselves to gaming and really diving into it. The only worry I have is that, um, and this is something that came up in the GDC talks two years ago uh, with the World of Tanks guys, I brought it up last podcast, is that uh, people were worried about uh, when a port goes on, do you review the port? Do reviewers, people review the port? One of the questions is, is like, what if a game doesn't work well on the Switch? Who's to blame? Mm. Like, the big deals are like, who's to blame? Who gets, who who covers that? Who's the one who has to handle the particulars of it? I think that's, that'll be very interesting to right. see, like, how all that's handled. Right. But uh, overall, it's, I mean, I, th- I personally think it's good news. I agree. Overall, yeah. I think it's a, a good thing for the games industry. Hopefully that's announced within the next month or so. Yeah, but what we've got right now is Anthem, and Carrick, man, you've been popping off on your Twitter account about Anthem. I, I am dying. I know you released your review yesterday, I believe it was. I haven't had a chance to watch it. Uh, you can give me the short version. What do you think about Anthem? And then we'll get into some of the latest fiascos involving some Anthem reviews. Um, uh, so I di- I did uh have half of my review like recorded, and then the the day one patch came two days before it really released but technically five days after it fully released like all the weird shit that was going on there um i i really do feel that it's fundamentally broken and i i did i did give it a never touch i i i I do feel that um so any other let's let's say if you just took destiny or division as an example destiny and division's core gameplay loop is actually the Sort, sort of a risk versus reward. How far away can I get from my base? How many more missions can I do before I have to go back and upgrade a weapon or do this kind of thing? How far can I go? What can I explore? Anthem um, does not allow that. It's, the, it's, one of the, it's one of the craziest thing. Also, when I timed the mission cycle, the mission cycle for Division is 37 minutes. That means from start of getting the mission to finishing the mission was, any, was anywhere from about 26 to 37 minutes. The mission cycle for Anthem was seven minutes. And it then loads you back to the fort. So you do the so mission, it, and it, stop stops, the, it stops the entire game okay. and moves you back. So it's almost like Monster Hunter. You finish your mission, it 
it's like mission complete, bops you back automatically. Yeah, except imagine in Monster Hunter if you landed and then killed two dudes and that was your mission. Um, so for example, while streaming, we finished a mission in seven minutes on hard okay. with two of us instead of four. And, um, the AI is probably the worst AI I've ever seen in a game. That's a full party. So the AI to test AI, usually there's four tests I do, which is like, does the enemy see me? What do they do? Do they tell others or do they just come at me? If they don't see me and I'm behind a rock and I fire a gun, do they alert to the gun? So there's certain things you do to test awareness and then awareness of their own mortality. Are they hurt? Are they not hurt? Do they run? Do they do anything? Blah, blah, blah. It failed three of the four. The only one it did not fail was sight. So it failed all others. And it, it probably succeeded sometimes on sound. That was a little difficult to tell, but it was so close that it was like, it was very difficult to tell what exactly was going on at that point. But it's literally the worst AI I've seen in this kind of game. It makes the AI in Destiny... And the AI and Division look like, I mean, chess players, like Bobby Fischer's running around beating the shit out of, you know, Russian chess players. It, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so you do these missions, and you have multiple ones. And one of the best missions is called the Stronghold. But yes, the I problem... That was, the, I played that in the demo. I that. Yeah, and the problem with the Stronghold is, once you realize this, first of all, there's only three in the full game. Second, the Strongholds are nothing more than a bunch of the smaller missions melded together into one longer mission. And they do weird things. For example, you don't get weapons or, or special items after beating a boss. You get it before facing the boss. You don't get to see what you got either. It just says rare, uncommon, blah, blah, blah. So you don't get to actually see the stats and go in and go, I want to switch out weapons. It also doesn't allow you to switch out weapons. So that yeah, means you yeah, might get a let... Home base, right? On the... You have to do it with home base, yeah. Right. Okay. And... um. So the game has a tendency to like to load you everywhere. And the only thing I can come out of this with, and especially when I started timing load times, because I have M2 memory, which is about three to four times faster than an SSD. The SSD load times were about a minute. But as we played, I noticed it climbed up a little bit, and I couldn't figure out why. It was getting a little bit longer and a little bit longer. So I went to M2 memory, and it, it went back down. It was super fast. And then I noticed if I went to the fort but did not do anything, I just went to the fort and told the person I was done with the mission and then went on another mission. That means I didn't switch out armor. I didn't go into a load screen, technically. I just in interacted inside the fort and returned. What would happen is the load times got longer each time. So my personal opinion is that Frostbite's holding on to data from outside. In, there's pro, it's, not, it, it, it's not putting it in trash, which is what it should do, which is where it empties all that data and says this is not needed. And then you go into Tarsus, you do your shit there, you turn around, and you leave, and then it, it, it removes Tarsus's data. So there was that. There's the, the number of problems with the game are they're almost stunning. Because I think the last time I gave a game that was a big triple A like this, a, not, a never touch, or one of them I did, was Star Wars Battlefront Two, And that was mostly, or at least in some ways, contained with the microtransactions. This is... They were pretty egregious, if you remember. Oh, I remember very well. <laughs> but let me describe to you just a couple of things I noticed on the story. So the, remembering that Bioware lauds themselves on story. So I personally believe if that's what you push and, and laud yourself on and applaud your ability for, you should have it. But here are, just, here are uh, I think, about six of 107 things I, I counted. 
they use the Dominion from Star Trek as the bad guys. The Monitor is from Halo. That's a char- that's a thing in this mm-hmm. game. The Cortex instead of the Codex in Destiny. Uh, the Corvus is from Destiny. It's a weapon. This is a name that they use in the game. Ciphers are in Destiny. Engineers are in Halo and also in about a dozen other games. Um, Tarsus is the front and first place you go in KOTOR. The number one most downloaded demo or most downloaded mod for KOTOR is Skip Tarsus. And there's a reason why. Because if you go to Tarsus in that first level in KOTOR, it's just a giant donut. Do you remember the first part of KOTOR? Terrace? Terrace, yeah. Where you just, oh. you're going, yeah. I was confused and at that point, sorry. I, I, apologize. I, I call it Tarsus, but yeah, same, same exact name. What's happened here is the exact same copy. If you go look at the map and look at the map of the fort, they're identical. And so I think that causes an issue because what you'll have is you'll have an NPC to give you a job and they'll be hidden somewhere and you have to go just like you did in KOTOR and have to find which of your exits is the right exit to go to because not all the exits actually leave the donut. And that kind of stuff happens all over in this game. There is, it's almost like they have no narrative freshness at all. And so what I decided to do because I was wondering about this, is I decided to look up synonyms for some of these names, because I was like, the Dominion, really? You had to steal that from Star Trek? You couldn't have come up with something? There was 57 different names that they could have used for the Dominion as bad guys, synonyms, and about 16 of those, 16 to 8, fit the game world's look far better. They were more Middle Eastern sounding, which is what the the starting place in... um, in uh, uh, anthem looks like gotcha. so it's like their story falls completely apart there's actually dialogue one time where your answer is either yes or yes like it's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing they i mean some of these you know dialogue questions are just completely odd and um there's spelling errors everywhere there's grammar errors everywhere there's weapons without the right data everywhere there's weapons that say this weapon shoots four bullets blah 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 it shoots one this weapon shoots three bullets, blah, blah, blah. It shoots six. This weapon is instant it use. It's rushed. not. I think that's it's a burst. It's, it's like, yeah. it does, it's not even like I feel incomplete or, or lazy mess. It just sounds rushed. Like that, those are things that you miss when you're like, you're, you're hustling all over the place and you just miss a couple words. You don't have the attention to detail and make sure like three versus four, that type of shit. Yeah. That's. Yeah. And it's, it's it, it, gameplay wise there. I would, I would tell people, you know, for a couple hours, it can be very fun. For yeah. sure, um, but uh, we died out pretty quick. We I we did what we were doing missions for the review footage with the patch, and I had to beg people to play because they had already played like six hours, and they were like, "I'm done. I'm never touching right. the skin." I'm like, "Nah, come on, please play." So they played. <laughs> we started doing missions, and we actually w- did our mission, and then realized like, "Oh shit, is this the same place we've been?" Like every place in Anthem looks identical to every other place in Anthem. And when you go to Destiny, a game that I know not a lot of people love, but if you go to Destiny, there's a uniqueness in the flora and the fauna. Everything looks, you know, there's there's a freshness to it. It looks unique. Um, you do sometimes see spawning in enemies, but it's not very often. But in Anthem, it's all the time. So you'll fight somebody, and I had a dude on my head. He spawned on my head. My arrow for a threat indicator was pointing at me. And so I'm spinning around, and one of the guys in the stream is like, dude, he's stand, he warped, he literally, like, teleported into the game to attack us, and he landed on your head. Like, it's, there's no thought process to anything. It's just, it's terrifying. It's, it is easily one of the worst games I've played. 
Like, and that's wow. as somebody who didn't, I didn't have a positive idea of it or a negative one. The only positive I came away is it runs incredibly well, insanely well on my system. 4K, 60 frames per second. It just fucking smooth as butter. Um, and the sound is really good. Yeah. I really like the sound. Yeah. I really I like the sound. The demo. Yeah. But, there, dude, it's it's going up against strange competition, Maddie. You got Warframe. It's got 37 different Warframes right now. This one has four, and all of them are just ripoffs of, you know, the Colossus, which is a cheap Hulkbuster. Storm, which is technically Storm from the X-Men. I mean, it should just be Holly Berry running around because mm-hmm. it's every skill she's got. Like, all of them, there's a genericness to it that you would never, ever, ever hope to see from Bioware. Yeah, and I tell people very often that started, and you agree with this, I think, started with Inquisition, though. There was, like, yes. a lack of wanting to be innovative in that title. And and it was that they were accepting of a gameplay loop that, even in that time, was completely fucking unacceptable. Yeah. And it kept going down. You saw Andromeda, where there was a narrative on how, oh, it's the B team or the C team. This isn't actually where Bioware is. And now this is the supposed A team, which is having as messy of a launch as they could possibly have had, minus the The memes. worst they've ever had. Yeah. Like, really, the, the difference here is that we don't have the, the memes tied to it, so you don't see that being posted everywhere. Like the My face is tired or something. Yeah. yeah. You don't see that shit being tossed around in the comments. People still say it to this day. No, like, this is just from what I've seen and, and read and watched, and I don't want to be that armchair game critic because I, I quite honestly find it annoying. But um, just based on what I've seen, it is a fucking mess. Yeah, and it's it, a shame because I walked away, and I had said it in the podcast. I walked away with pretty positive impressions from that demo, I, like fun, fun. The last, the last one, uh, uh, yeah, the last one, right? The, the, the VIP access. Yeah, me too. It, uh, it I thought it, it performance was better, and I think that that demo was a perfect length of time for us to sort of see the best parts of the game. But I, but the mm-hmm. problem is, is they're repeated ad nauseum, and they're repeated oh, yeah. without the filler that a Destiny or a Division has. And people bitch about filler, but what I mean is world building. For example, I took tons of footage for the video review where there are entire cities, torches on, mm-hmm. lights on, everything's built, but everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. There's nobody there. It's like everybody just went on vacation and forgot to turn the lights off. And there's no world building. Or you'll be flying and there'll be creatures in front of you and they'll just disappear. And that happens all the time. Like legitimately all the time. In the video, I have it happen like six or seven times and I wasn't even trying to catch that footage. So it can be fun. It absolutely can. But my personal opinion is if you have Premiere, get it because it's technically free for you. You've already got Premiere. Yeah. Might as well. Um, but right now, it's, I, there's no promises I can make towards 80% of what a gameplay normally would be that I don't feel – I would never feel comfortable enough to tell somebody that it's ever going to be what it's supposed to be because I don't think that they can patch out some of the problems. I think the Frostbite engine is going to be proven to be an engine that cannot do open world. Sounds very similar to 76 when it launched. Mm. So now that we have a 76 roadmap, and you saw we had a pretty positive discussion for a good 20 minutes. You see that happening with Anthem, and I know we're you know we're in the we're in the chamber right now, like we're 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 in the thick of it. You know, oh god, it seems hopeless. But removing yourself from the situation completely, do you see a roadmap? Actually, we have a fucking roadmap. I forgot. Anthem's already, Anthem's already got one. Do you take a look at that and say, okay, mm-hmm. maybe? I, I, 
So what I see is most people get this from Premiere. It probably won't sell the best, but Premiere will be will give them some money to fix some things. But the core gameplay loop is broken right now, which is seven-minute mission loads you back. No, You can't not load, by the way. You have to. So if they fixed that and made it more exploratory, there's a free, uh, what do you call it, a free look uh, free. What was the one? What's it called in Anthem? Free run or whatever, where you can like pick a spot. Yeah, um, but they all look the same, and they're all these just baby environmental things. That. And yeah, and a couple little tiny dungeons that all look I fucking identical. Okay. So, um, mm-hmm. the difference between Fallout is Fallout was this open world, right? And Fallout was this open world sandbox. There's nothing sandbox in any way, shape, or form about Anthem other than collecting and killing mushrooms. Mushrooms give you this. Uh, these the stuff you can use from crafting right. and grabbing occasional things. Um, but there isn't an organic feel to Anthem at all, where there's an organic feeling, even though I don't like Fallout 76, there's a total organic feeling in Fallout 76 because you and I can make our own gameplay if we want. Okay, so you're saying um, I- I'm going to go to Destiny. like I can I can go to the moon, and I can find a loop in there that's unique to the right. moon. Um, and obviously, environmentally, it's different, but in Anthem... I pop into that world and there's like two things I can do. Same thing with 76. You could pop in. There's different regions of the world and you'll find different events crop right. throughout. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And this one has very few of those. Uh, in fact, three strongholds, which strongholds easily the strongest part of that game yeah. were the strongholds. And the strongholds, I mean, it, there's collectible stuff, but they also fucked up in the probably the biggest fan service element of this game, which is that their weapons are... Um, almost grotesquely anti-artistic. I've, I don't think I've ever seen weapons look so terrible in anything other than a free-to-play game as they do in, De- in, in Anthem. So imagine Destiny. We had people who were doing entire videos on a single gun coming back. They knew the name, the judge of fire or whatever. And they're like, oh my God, the ju- you know, the fucking this judge is coming back. It's, it's got these flames on it. It looks all awesome. Every, ga- every single gun in Anthem actually looks the same. Now you can get the newer Grandmaster guns but those barely look different. There isn't the manufacturer. That's the thing that even Anthem did better. And definitely Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. They had the manufacturers, remember? And it was like, these are Geth guns. These are this United States sort of conglomerate of guns. Destiny took it to another level where it was like, these guns looked amazing. They were the Halo Needler kind of thing. Right. We are like, what the fuck? And you knew it. And there was a fan service there and there was an excitement there. This is quite literally a box with a barrel, and if the barrel's bigger and shorter, it's a shotgun. If it's thinner and longer, it's a sniper rifle. And that is it. It is stunningly bad. When it, I, I mean, I just don't even know how it happened. That's the, the And people were like, oh, the Grandmaster stuff. We got the Grandmaster stuff. No. there's it, It's not even near the amount of customization. And the crazy thing is, is they're the ones who said customization was going to matter. The only customization in the game is viable customization with microtransactions. As in the only good looking. I'm concerned about their future. If this game doesn't do well. If this game, I'm talking like this game has to succeed. They said that. They were kind of like backs against the wall. And I'm pretty nervous that EA is, I mean, we've seen what they've done with companies that underperform every time. And I got to say, I wonder if Bioware, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be the one who has the dramatic flair here, but I really got to wonder if Bioware is about to drop another flop, in my opinion, third time in a row, because some people don't count Inquisition. I mean, well, what the hell happens? Well, 
And I think just looking at reviews, I'll just look now too to see where they've gone. But they were 60, they were I think. they were steadily dropping. Yeah. Now, so it was it was sixty eight, then it was sixty five. Now it's sixty, and it looks like the next review is probably going to drop it into the fifties. Um, it doesn't mean it's not fun at times. Um, it just has an incredible broken element to it that I don't know how you build on that um, with the current engine and the current plans they have. It would you know how uh, ESO had a full, not a full reboot, but you know what I mean. Like, it was like... Yeah, I'd say almost a reboot would be the best way to describe it. It was like a a change in identity, almost. Yeah, but when you started and played it prior to that, you were still able to explore an open world, and you felt like you were exploring something. Yeah. That isn't even there in Anthem. So I don't know how they're going, how you would be able to say, okay, other than saying, here's another planet, or here's another land that we've unlocked, um... And, and you're not going to be forced back to base all the time. I don't... And and you're not going to have random encounters because you don't really have random encounters. That's another thing. I've never seen a game where you can look. And Maddie, and this is all the time, you can quite literally fly around the landscape and look and go, no battle will ever occur here. Ever. Which in Destiny, even though most battles did occur in specific locations, I there were parts, there were a couple parts we can say that would never happen there just because of the way the animations work. But because of the way the game works in Anthem, there are just thousands of places that as you're flying, you're like, there will never be an enemy encounter in this really cool looking spot. It will never, ever happen. And that to me is probably the saddest moment because it feels so artificial when you're flying. It's like every single thing is built in a way that removes any ability whatsoever for some things to happen in certain places unless they go and they tear it down which they could do the thing with eso was it was never like a a main game was torn down it was more so an altering of the framework on yeah hey subscription versus the the, just buy the game you have access eso plus is a thing now if you want to support us extra that type of thing um it's just it, it sucks to see because you see mass effect go on ice for this you see yeah. an old Bioware from like 2003. Obviously, there's turnover, but we saw some familiar faces come back, like a Drew Carpishan come back for a little bit of Anthem. Casey Hudson. Casey Hudson. Yeah, like these prominent figures during the best time to be a Bioware fan. And this is what comes out. I, I, I you know, someone's got to get the finger. Something, some group of people have to have the finger pointed at them. Is it because this is the EA? Is it because there's just this lack of focus was it because they were too ambitious was it another drastic turnaround mid-development like andromeda where they pretty much made that whole game in like a freaking year and a half i mean there's just so many questions with just like every bioware launch there's a million one questions i have and not like oh wow this is good all right let's just enjoy it well you know how much i disliked anthem you know i'm definitely not a fan i thought anthem had a ton of issues i would certainly say anthem is 10 times the game this is 20 times the game wait which game like uh, and, uh, sorry, um, Andromeda. Oh, I think yeah. Andromeda is ten or twenty times the game that Anthem is. Yeah, it, it and just that says something. It, that says something because I and like, and I didn't know what this game was going to be, and I wasn't against it or for it. I love the idea of flying around in mechs. I think they're cool. Um, I oh, and another thing is the weird bugs. Like even after the patch today, um, they didn't realize that a number of the equipment that you install actually don't do anything. There's a bunch of YouTubers videotaping like. It's like, oh, it's supposed to do this if you attach this, but it actually does nothing. 
or bugs where like your ultimate will never work and they said oh we patched that and it's like the first thing people tested and you go into a spot you get into a bad spot and you're like i need my ultimate and you could hear us on the stream i'm like i'm doing an alt and you'd hit it and you'd hear you'd hear panic people were like my alt's not working and then somebody else would be like either is mine and then it's just, okay mine is and weirdly enough i swear to shit, we ran over to where that person's alt worked and our alts had a higher chance of working where they were standing like it was confusing. We I couldn't figure out if it was the ground. Like that. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, you know that there's a problem when you have Polygon, Kutaku, IGN, and about 800 YouTubers all, you know, arguing and agreeing with each other against people like the Xbox guy who decides he's gonna say that everybody's just bitching and it's mm. a great game. To add and to that, by the way, there was the talk of some paid reviews for Anthem. Now, uh, YouTuber GGG Man Lives says EA paid him to review Anthem and subsequently blacklist him. Now, Variety made an article saying that EA denies that it demanded takedown of a negative Anthem review. Uh, EA had said our Game Changers program is not designed to pay for review content. We don't believe in that. In this case, the conditions for disclosure for this specific video were not met, which is something we adhere to strictly so we asked him to take down and correct it. We've not asked for the content of the video to be changed or blacklisted the creator, and then they list their disclosure rules at their Game Changers site. Um, GGG Man is part of EA's Game Changer program, which is a community partnership program that fuses content creators and expert players directly into the game development process, enabling early collaborative feedback for improvements, according to EA. Uh, basically, EA offers access to games to select content creators and influencers. Uh, GGG Men Lives told VG247 that the company went a step further and actually paid him to create an Anthem video review. After his negative review was posted, he was told to take down the video and re-upload without EA watermarks. Um, he wrote on Twitter, I'm blacklisted by EA now and had to delete it. He then re-uploaded an altered version of the re review without watermarks. The review was still not a positive take on the latest title from EA. Uh, he said, I basically wasn't allowed to say anything negative about the game, but I also had the watermark in because the watermark means EA endorses it and shares it through the Game Changers Network or something. He told Video Games 24-7 through a uh, Twitter direct message. I don't really know what it all means. I was just told it was to be pulled down and was basically a breach of contract or something along those lines um once again ea or lee williams who overseers game changers network as his role is a international manager of community management from ea commented on twitter he first clarified that ggg man was not blacklisted um he said nobody's been blacklisted by ea our team in australia asked the video to be taken down because of our conditions on disclosure on sponsored content where it meant nothing to do with the content of the video we encourage Game Changers, to be honest in their content, is one of the most important parts of the program and community trusts them because of that honesty. Feel free to ask me or any of the Game Changers about how it works. So, um, I can add a little bit of input here, which is I was invited to the Game Changers in 2015 when it was like first getting started. First, 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 because I covered a lot of Battlefront 1 uh, during its... I guess we'll say marketing phase where we were just learning about what that game was and what dice was bringing to the table for it. 
Uh, so EA had invited me to that Game Changers program, and I was like, and this is before we really knew anything, but young Maddie, I was like, well, that sounds cool. You know, EA wants to work with me and wants to give me early access to their games. Right. It's like, like, sure, why the fuck not? So I had agreed, um, like this guy did, uh, except I, once again, this program was not fully set up. I was just invited during its early stages. Uh, so I had accepted. Um, I made my Battlefront review, which was, you can look it up right now. I was like, this game fucking blows. Uh, it was just a complete disappointment to me as a lifelong Battlefront fan. And after that, I had never heard from EA again. Ever. I never received, like, and I don't say it's an entitled way, but I never received a code for anything. I never received an email response, even when I covered Andromeda fairly extensively from, I think it was December to its launch in March, um, mm-hmm. which isn't a, a seriously long coverage time for compared to some YouTubers. But um, I, I had been told that it was within, like, the top five for them when it came to coverage numbers. Even then, I had one EA rep ask me if I wanted a review copy, which I agreed to. And then once again, I was not glowing on my coverage and I had never received any email responses back. So I'm just saying based off my personal experience with EA in general, that if you don't say something positive when they are offering you something, they are not like, we'll say, Carrick and I have talked highly of them when it comes to working with them. Ubisoft, you know, they'll, they'll provide a code even though we ripped up New Dawn. I, I did not give that game a positive review at all. I know Carrick did not like it at all. We tore it up on the podcast. They will still, they get the business. They will still provide a review copy. But EA has a history of, I have never been asked to take anything down. I've never been asked to change anything. But they do have a history of, we'll say, rescinding potential deals, uh, potential connections, potential partnerships, because they think you're being overly negative on their title. I wouldn't be surprised if their flagship game for 2019 uh, outside of the one coming from Respawn, the Star Wars title, which is Anthem, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were upset that one of their bigger game changers, maybe. I've never seen this guy's channel, but I'm guessing if he's making waves here, it must mean something. Um, didn't have much positive things to say with their, with their little watermark attached to his video. Um, so that, that's just my personal inputs on that. I, I feel... Like, I'm not too surprised, not just, oh, it's EA, but, like, I've, I've literally interacted with these people, and they're, they're nice people, but, you know, when I, like I said, if you insult their game, they're, I think a part of their business, a part of their, their policy that they run across the company is, hey, if this guy does not like our stuff, and they're not going to give us positive PR, we're not going to provide them codes, provide them anything to work with, you know, which, I, if you're a business, I'm going to be honest, I, I guess I can sort of understand, uh, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to just be like, "Hey, let's let's dump funds into X, Y, or Z who hate our fucking stuff," and just line their pockets for for that. Let's get someone who is maybe a little more impressionable, who will make us more positive coverage in exchange for a small lump of cash. I think that's their their mindset, and that's what doesn't surprise me when it's when it comes to EA. But yeah, that just my two cents on the matter there. What do you what do you think about negative reviews possibly being removed by EA? whether it's because of a watermark and not meeting content uh, guidelines or not. I mean, so the the Game Changers thing, well, two things. One, I had the same situation you did where I, so I was getting EA games, and then I reviewed one of the UFC games. It was terrable. It was terrifying. Which UFC and game, out of curiosity? I was, it was two, I think. Oh, wow, okay. And um, never once received any response ever again. Uh, occasionally I'll get a response like, okay, thanks, we'll, we'll possibly get back to you. But it's about once every 50 emails that I send out, which is fine. 
Because like you said, it is a business. But I noticed a difference. It went from probably 15 in a row where, you know, they were okay, I'm sure, with a wait for a deep, deep sale. But I dived into it, and I was like, no, nah, don't touch this fucking thing. Um, mm-hmm. Game changers. So the problem with a game changers system is that people, anybody, psychologists, anybody will explain this. But if you're paying for somebody to get early access, if you're allowing somebody to fly somewhere and play a game early, so and so forth, those are actually considered uh, basically psychologically gifted favors. And there is a very, very, very real pattern of return, like let's say on a review or on your end, I guess, idea of a product if you have been doing those things. So you don't really need to pay for the review if you've already let somebody have a complete blast playing the game with five of their friends and... Uh, let them have early access and so forth. And it doesn't mean it won't stop them. It just means that there's there's a very real psychological ploy that goes on there. And it's why in some industries that kind of stuff is not allowed. We do in video games. We definitely allow it. When it comes to taking down the negative, I don't know what he means by the watermark because I will say this. Most of the time I'm told to put a watermark on. So Sony requires a watermark. Um, Microsoft has required a watermark occasionally. And... The idea that they demanded the re- the removal of the watermark seems very odd to me, but I can't tell you which side it seems odd on. Uh, but it does. It certainly my Microsoft one had to have like code supplied by Microsoft, Microsoft's I, I emblem in like four different places on on Gears of War, one of the Gears of War games. So and we Sony, dis- we had to disclose Spider- that the footage was provided by them. We had to mm-hmm. disclose that the code was from them. That was weird because that was a, probably the best game they've released in a really yep. long while. It was, and, wasn't and, it? And it was. It, very, it, it like, was quality control in yeah. terms of what you put out there. Yeah. Um, so, I like I I can't speak for them. I will just say I think um, all the any any journalist any influencer they're all the same journalists are doing videos so fuck off they're all influencers like we can pretend that they're all separate but if you're if you're giant bomb you're influencers or you're journalist you're either one if you're carrot you're a journalist or you're an influencer depending on what you're doing like at at any one time but you uh, there is a lot of overlap um the idea that a a lot of this money goes out to these people and stuff like that prior always scares me because i i've talked about this before and i know you and i have you know a different overall opinion of this but my opinion is if i go somewhere i'm paying for it like i that's why i don't go to a lot of places but if i'm going to a game i'm paying for every bit of food i'm not accepting any gifts and i'm paying for the trip because i don't want anything from them whatsoever i just don't even want it to color you know whatever the idea is but the big thing lately maddie is for them to be doing this look at look at apex everybody tries to say that apex had no marketing Apex had one of the largest marketing budgets I've ever seen. It was influencers being paid to play it on Twitch. So it's like at some point we have to get away from pretending this stuff doesn't, you know, really happen and that they're not paying for stuff and just assume that they are. I mean, it just may be in a different way. It's like not a lump sum for the review. It's more of a payment plan for the coverage prior to it. So I, I, I don't know about removing negative reviews. They've never asked me to remove a negative review. I haven't got any contact yeah, on same. Um, same. on Anthem. If I was going to get contacted, be on Anthem because I think I'm the number one Anthem review. So if I got contacted, and look at Skill Up. He's like he was number two or three on, and he and he's a big fan of these kind of games. Mm-hmm. 
Like, mm, oh, like I even it. joked with him. I'm like, dude, he loves these kind of games. And he was rooting for Anthem. I wasn't even... I didn't even have the ability to root for Anthem. I didn't know enough about it until right before it started getting released to really start to identify with what the gameplay was. And I didn't like it too. And I, neither one of us have been contacted. So I don't know. I, 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 it probably has something to do with game changers I'm not aware of. Like something yeah. he signed. You know what I mean? Like some, some document he signed. That's why you don't do that, guys. That's why I always tell people, don't sign something. Don't fucking... Don't do a Nintendo partner program. They'll fuck you over. Like, anytime you do that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it did get shut down. Yeah. Because, and they were shutting, remember, prior to that, they were shutting down channels for negative reviews. Nintendo copyrighted negative reviews. And they were quite literally open about it. So, it's shitty. Hmm. I I don't know about his. I I haven't seen it. So, um, maybe he could have also leaked some data about the end game or something, even. Right, like which is definitely a negative, man. If there's anything that'll get your video required to be taken down, it is if you break an embargo. Yeah, but they said that like nothing in the content had to be changed, so it had to be something like this is a negative video, don't put the watermark, versus this is a positive video, keep the watermark. Because yeah. it's like a psychological thing. If you're talking positive, you see the right? Problem, like, oh, they're thinking positive, or, the or they're endorsing the negative thought. Or something. Yeah, exactly. I guess is what they. It, it's dumb though. That's that's highly idiotic. Because I think the watermark think. literally says like sponsored by Game Changers. Because a lot of people see that and will complain about YouTubers. And they're like, guys, just because the sponsor doesn't mean I'm paid. I just have to have the sponsored watermark because we flew out to so and so, played the game, and that was their consideration of a sponsorship. Yeah. That's that's yeah. Which is why I like companies like Ubisoft or even Bethesda. Right. Like when when they flew us out for West Virginia, like it wasn't like water market. They were just pretty much it's your gameplay. Upload, do what the fuck you want. Yeah, you know it was very just come play. I actually find Bethesda. I know there was all the issue with the weird. Well, I don't even know all of the issue, but the weird bags thing and all the stuff that happened. <laughs> um, but I've dealt yeah. with Bethesda a couple times with Evil Within Two and a couple others, and I think one of them wasn't even with Bethesda. It was with the other PR company you and I deal with, and yes. um. They were very, very cool. They were like, they were even like, "Hey, if you can't make it, we can give you B-roll, and you can just, you know, do a, a mini walk in the wall." Like they knew my chance. They obviously knew what I did, and they because they were the ones who dropped those words. They were like, "You can do a mini walk in the walk if you want," and we'll just, you know, if you can't make it, that kind of stuff I think is awesome because it allows a freedom of you. You can decide on your own. There's no monetary. You can just look at it and say, "Okay." This, is something I want to cover, or no, this is not something I want to cover. I think Bethesda is probably better than they give, they're give they given credit for right now just because of the disaster that happened with, which is a very real one, but the mm-hmm. disaster that happened with, like, the, the bag and stuff. That was the, definitely... I can tell you the influence managers had nothing to do with that either. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing, right? The PR contacts you and I dealt with have nothing to do with that shit. That's like, they're, they're, that's yeah, yeah. Production, yeah. All right, well, Anthem, you know, too soon to tell if it's going to turn it around, but we'll, we'll hope. Hey, are you jumping in, by the way? No. Too many other shit to play, and yeah. I'm just, I'm done crossing my fingers that old Bioware comes back. Sorry. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, no, I don't think that's pessimist. I think that uh, technically we're a little late. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> I'll fully <laughs> you know. admit that. Um, yeah. Last on the list for discussion is uh, something a little exciting. Metro. I've played about five hours now, uh, all on stream. 
Uh, if you want to go ahead and check out the streams, twitch.tv slash plays. We, we play games most days of the week, except Wednesdays. This Wednesday we did stream, and I think last Wednesday I did stream as well. But I have a schedule on my channel. If you want to check it out, character streams as well. Sometimes the podcast, sometimes it's gaming. Be sure to check that out too. But um, yeah, that's where I've done the bulk of my Metro playthrough. Uh, it really helped having the chat originally because they, they helped me kind of orchestrate my game to be the most immersive version possible. So, like, I, I play on mm. hardcore. I turned off the For crosshair. Sure. I turned yeah. off the uh, hit marker. And, mm -hmm. wow. it And because the game very much removes HUD almost entirely. And a lot of it's yeah. like attached to your wrist. Uh, it, it is really impressive how detailed and informative more importantly the world space is uh it, it you know granted they're open levels but uh it reminds me of some of the best open world games i've played where you see something in the distance and you can kind of map out in your head how you need to navigate to get, to get there. there like okay i'm gonna go in this boat i'm gonna go up the river a little bit i'm gonna dock it here because there's this bridge you know blocking it off so i can't uh sail over a little bit more so i gotta walk on the land here I'm gonna navigate around this camp that I just saw. Right. Back to that later. Take the you know take the bridge. Go up now to this big tower. Whatever. I really love how the environment's laid out because uh, it, it highlights the improvements on the gameplay side of things. I feel for Metro, I thought that the AI wasn't as hilariously blind as it once was because you were in the dark. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it, it was almost like they took a second to recognize you, which makes way more sense. Uh, there was a moment I was approaching a gas station. There was a deal going on with these bandits. Some guys just standing in the back holding an AR looking around. And I start crouch walking up, and you see me kind of like peek over the car. And I see this guy standing there, and he looks over, and he looks again. And you yeah. see him, like, actually actively recognize, like, that's someone. Like, he double took almost. Yeah. And I was like, and he's like, hey, over there. And, like, you see everyone not just sprint to cover immediately, you know, as if they know instantly where you are. They look for you. And then they yeah. see you, and then they act appropriately. Whereas one person saw me on one area and started moving up as I moved around, and then they were still standing there looking around like, where did he go? And I looped around and just shot him in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the combination of environment and gameplay enhancements really is a spectacular step forward for the game. Story, solid, I guess. I'm not particularly gripped at the moment. I'm more... Uh, in love with what's happening on the on the environments and and world side of things personally right but, right uh, i'm interested in some characters uh, obviously anna great character uh mm. miller worst father-in-law of all time <laughs> yeah what a cock really he's like what are you doing not looking for anna i'm like dude you're the you're the father what are you doing yeah, not helping? yeah yeah no shit um i don't i i've realized this past month i fucking hate silent protagonist now between oh gotcha metro jump force god eater 3 which i've been playing and i really like too silent protagonists suck and need to stop unless you have dialogue choices if you do not stop using them i am begging you they are the most they make your characters around you look dumb in my opinion the way they talk to you yeah uh, the, the way they assume things the way they approach you uh, the way that they, they force your character to interact and react to things without having a single thing muttered, it's strange, especially when Artyom is, like, voiced in between load screens. Yeah, right. Really the fucking weirdest thing ever, in my opinion. But otherwise, a really remarkable game, and, and so far, I, I can see it being my favorite of the year. Outside of Apex Legends, I think that's probably my game of the year right now. That is a fucking good game. 
one of the things I liked about Metro that a lot of people didn't, um, I loved the cutscenes where people talked over the top each, uh, of each other because mm. I don't like the consistent theatrical thing where you take a moment, I take a moment. Ubisoft. And Ubisoft. Thank you. Far Cry New Dawn, by the way. Yeah. One of the worst offenders of this I've ever seen. Yeah. I said the same shit and, in my review. Yeah. And you get into um, you get into Metro and these fuckers are like, somebody's celebrating, right? Somebody's over here. This person's talking to you. And I found myself going, what? Like, like leaning in to try to hear this person. And I know that bothered a lot of people, but to me that was, it was one of the best examples of making atmosphere feel like real. Like this was a real place where people were celebrating in a train, which has a weird echo anyway. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah. And then you hear the radio and your brain is like, there's a lot going on. Um, I also loved the fact that you can stop and do things with people, you know, play the guitar, have a smoke, there's all these weird little uh, diegetic and non-diegetic moments that you can that you can experience, and all it does is add things. It wastes your time. You're not being timed, but I mean, it's nothing is really being gained by it except for atmosphere, which means you can right. choose to do it. Right. And the best there's like, this one. It's not invasive. Right. And there's this one time where I was smoking with a guy, and I remember going, "I'm gonna wait till this fucker shuts up or repeats himself." And he went on for like 15 minutes. And that's when I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I need to make sure I listen to everybody. Additionally, one of the best parts of this game, dude, is when they start giving you missions and they don't plop down plot points. They just start talking about locations and you have to grab your binoculars oh, you as quick as possible. To that, I felt like a dumbass on stream. I was, he's like, here's oh, your, did here's you? Because you were like, like, hey, man, here's your binoculars. I'm like, okay. He's like, all right, right over there is a train station. I'm like, where the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, like, dude, yeah, I loved it, though. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, what is he? Hold on. <laughs> and then you start to realize, oh, it focuses in a couple of ticks, and then it marks it, and you go, oh, yep. okay. Yep. Yeah, man. That, that I love that mechanic, but the way they introduced it, I won't call it bad. Confused it was, it was, the it was, fuck it was, out of you? It was almost hilarious how I like started panicking, because I'm trying to listen to what he's saying. I'm like, important plot details. I got I to gotta key in here, but then at the same time, I'm like, where, where the fuck am I looking? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, see, and then and then over there, there's a rail station, and you sometimes they'll point, sometimes they won't, and I was just like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. But once I got it, um, there's another scene. Have you got through the first land? Have you got to the desert? Uh, no, not yet. So there's I'm still, I'm uh, still the, in Volga. You're still in Volga. So there's a, a later part where the girl does it as well, and it just works. It just works. I mean, there, it's like to steal a Bethesda saying, but it does. It's mm -hmm. it, it 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 adds an atmosphere to the game, or even just talking to her. It's stuff that even Mass Effect tried to do, where you talk to Ashley, let's say, if you were hitting on her or Liara, but it was always hitting A, and it was always like back and forth. And with right. them, they're doing something. Um, and and talking and you're talking and I agree I have not liked silent protagonists at all. Um, I got in a lot of trouble because of Fallout Four for that because I liked that it had a protagonist. And I know a lot of well, people see, didn't. If but it's silent and there's dialogue choices, I don't mind. You'd be you'd be happy I, with I, that. I yeah. do not mind because I feel like I'm interacting. I'm right, and not that I have to put myself in every character. But you're at least but, being able to. Yeah. give data out and get yeah. something back in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when RTM, like, when I won't spoil anything, but when someone gets shot on a train very early in the game, and he, like, walks up and he just clenches his fist, like, he's, like, you know, really, like, it's as someone someone sewed his mouth shut, and he's trying to scream yeah. something. He's yeah. like, frustration, can't you see that camera? I'm angry. Yeah. It's like, he's no. like, It's like he's mute. Yeah. It's like he's mute the entire exactly. time, yeah. And, and um, it's I all will... more weird because of the loading screens, but go on. 
the loading screen. Oh, oh, because he like talks. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say I'm glad you're liking it because um, mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think that the originals were really good, but this fits the current time frame and technology and what gamers are wanting. Yeah. And it's not open world. It's open hub. You could consider it sort of. It's more digestible. I feel yeah, like I can and tackle I, everything. I think it works. Yeah, yeah. You sort of get an idea. You know, when you get off the train, you sort of get an idea of where the train is versus where the land is, and it, it just it works better. For me, I, I just really like it. I think it's what, also. What, what's your favorite weapon? Uh, I love the I love the weapon crafting and upgrading. By the way, because you have to like dismantle parts and you can yeah take clips from other guns and put them on yours. I think that's awesome. Uh, favorite weapon so far is probably the the three shot revolver I have right now because I have oh, gotcha. that with like a huge stock. I've got like mm-hmm. a long barrel on it. I got a suppressor on it, so it's a completely different gun from when I first got this little pea shooter in the beginning right. of the game. So. I really like that because you see these guns transform over time. So, so far, at least in the early game, that's my favorite. I love the pneumatic rifle. I always did. I thought the idea of just, you know, hand pumping your gun and, and making it so strong that the the shot will blow someone's head off. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I really liked some of the organic moments. I, I stumbled upon a bandit camp. And I thought I had some time to watch a little cutscene play out because this villager was like, I'll, I'll tell you what you need to know. Just let me go. Pretty basic, like hold up going on and i'm trying to maneuver into a good position and before i can even do anything this guy gets shot and they just start mm-hmm. walking away and i was like oh shit like you know that was we see this happen plenty of times but sometimes it's scripted like the you know mm-hmm. you turn the corner and you hear no no please and then this guy just gets chopped down but like there's this full conversation happening as i'm like orchestrating in the background trying to get to the right spot to start this firefight because once again i'm playing on hardcore i know there's some some vets out there who played on ranger hardcore i've never played this game on hardcore uh, the series, rather. And I'm glad I am with this one. It makes it so much better. Um, but yeah, like as I'm trying to get in the right spot, this guy gets shot. And it, it's little moments like that that bring the world to life. Because for such a, I guess, slow shooter, I wouldn't call it sluggish. Because Metro's, let's be honest, you've never been sliding around, jumping off walls and stuff. It's always been a very weighted, grounded shooter. Um, and I, I very much don't have an issue with its mechanics. Like, uh, we'll say, a, a Red Dead and how that controls. I think, I think personally, Metro's fine. Um, but I, I, I thought that I just lost my train of thought. Holy shit. Time out. Karaki, you gotta remind me. You gotta bring Okay. Me back. I, I didn't want to say anything, circle. but you were talking about the weight of the character and how, how this character moves around slower. Yeah, but I was going somewhere with that. I know that. I know the gameplay part. I was, I started off somewhere and I, you were telling a story about a script, a non-scripted yes. moment that you took too long to do something. So they died. Yes. And th- and then you were talking about the weight of the character. I thought you were going to bring up that originally you had seen it and felt it was too sluggish. Yeah, well, you know what? I could go with that right now because I, I totally lost where I was originally going with that. I apologize. But, yeah, I, I remember when I did play it at E3, one of my biggest complaints I told you was this, yeah. the sluggishness. Yeah. And I just remembered what it was. It was the fucking pacing. That's where I was going with it because oh, I had okay. this awkward way of approaching it. It was the pacing of the of the environment because it's a very slow shooter. That's where I got off track. Sorry. It's a slow shooter. Um, so you're not constantly like running into encounters. A lot of it's paced out. For example, Volga, there's a lot of moving the boat around. Mm. An encounter with like two giant creatures could mean life or death, especially in hardcore. These yeah. giant shrimp things. Holy fuck. Vagina mouths? Yeah. Those things creep the oh, fuck out of are, me. They are some oh, scary ah! things, man. Yeah, and they take so many shots to kill. 
Dude, and when they first show up, you, if you're not looking, they look like like beautiful dolphins swimming because yeah. all you see is the ripples in the water, and you're like, oh, what's that? And then it attacks your boat. Yeah. A lot of jump scares oh. in the game. I, I just There's something about the pacing, which is weird because I didn't expect that because the stories in Metro I've always felt had good pacing as they transfer you from environment, above ground, below ground, uh, unique bosses, uh, character interactions. But when the game really opens up and there's a lot of interesting things to explore, I think it takes on a whole life of its own because you might encounter a part where the story is very like bang, 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 but then the world's very slowly paced out as yeah. you go from one yeah. location to the other. And especially, like I said, you're playing on a harder difficulty. You have to take a very methodical approach to it. You know, you have to crouch walk from like a mile away because you don't want someone to hear you. You don't want to sprint up because, uh, you know, maybe a creature is in the, in the, like a little shack to the left and, and they can come out and ambush you with a couple of their friends so the pacing is the thing I've really grown to appreciate with this game. I, I, I really like what they've done because I think it takes an expert hand to go from what they did with Last Light and how they paced that out to something, while very much true to the formula of Metro, uh, still something different in, in how it was laid out. Um, and maybe also, they, they had some experiments or experience rather with, uh, with Stalker. That might help too. I feel right. like a lot of that was put into this game. I, I do feel that um, they also lied perfectly at the starting, which won't be a, a, a spoiler to anybody, but the starting of the game plays like most of the Last Light games. It was much more action-packed at the starting of this game, yeah. and, you, you, and you've got weapons everywhere, and it's not survival at that point. It's grabbing a weapon, killing dudes. It's, it's fucking ducking. It's weaving. It's like moving through things. It's trying to do stuff. They're forcing you. They're like, go here and turn this crank. And mm -hmm. then you have a big momentary thing where explosions are going off and you're crashing things. And you're like, what the fuck? And then it goes into almost Oregon wait, like wagon train kind mm -hmm. of thing where it's like people are starting to lose food. You don't know who you can bring with you. There's quests that involve, like, do you take this person with you? What do you do? And all this crazy shit. And I think it was an awesome lie. I think it worked really well because it, it, it got you into it. Mm -hmm. And you learned, the, you learned the gun stuff really quick. You learned some stealth. But it was really like, oh, it's the same thing. But then narratively, they made it very clear. They're like, you even have the discussion where they're all, what do we do? And you decide you're going to move forward. And people in the background are like, really? Because if we do, we're, there's no support. Nothing. We have no clue. what's. We know where we may need to go, but there's no support between here and there. We don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of games can't handle that. They don't know how to handle, like, alerting you that the entire gameplay is going to change. Like, this is, be prepared because now we're going to survival mode where the pneumatic gun may be your only weapon because you can make bullets out of trash with it. So I think that worked really, really well. The only thing I had an issue with, I don't know if you did, man, I, I wasn't really happy with the, uh, the uh, noisemakers, the, like the Campbell's soup cans. Mm. Dude, I would throw them and the bad guys would look at me. I would throw them over their heads and they would hit and the bad guys would be sitting like this and go, and run straight. To, and I, was, I kept going like, I actually stopped using them after a while. I couldn't tell. I, I assumed I was using them wrong. Because I, could be they I was like, trace it. they see it come over an arc behind them. It's funny you mention that in the review. I mentioned that it's like the original Predator when the guy throws the rock and the Predator's hat or head unit can figure out the trajectory back to its original source. So I was like, is that what they're doing? Like, what are these? Because they were the ferals, the 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 fucking werewolf dudes, who I absolutely have to say are scary as fuck. When you're in a dark area and one of those gets on top of you and starts hammering on you, and it's like a monkey man werewolf thing. Weird. 
hair sprouting off its body, those things, and the eyes are all weird. Like, yeah, yeah really good monster designs. Oh, absolutely. The game is filled with a lot of love, a lot of passion. You can, t- can tell immersion is like the, the number one focus of the yeah. game, I feel. Yeah, because for sure. Like that, whenever I see a game fade out its HUD and keep it that way, even when combat yeah. picks up, that's when I'm like, okay, they, they want me in this world. And, and yeah. that gets me that gives me a little additional buy-in. It gets me to want to really get into it because I'm like, okay, I see your focus. I see where you're going for. Let me buy into what you want and see if the game, you know, really excels from that standpoint. And it does. It, you, you know, especially when I'm streaming, you know, I got a chat to interact with. It's very hard for me to get yeah, roped I agree. into a very strong single-player experience. But even then, you know, the chat, myself, we were all, boom, just locked in. You know, it was there were some really intense moments. I don't like the cheap 2000s jump scares, not because I, I shit my pants every time, <laughs> but I feel like it's a really cheap delivery of uh, genuine tension. I think like some music touched in and, and hearing like little creatures crawling around, um, I think that's a good way to build some tension and anxiety without like, boom, here I am, you know, that that right. that can get anybody. That can get the most yeah. seasoned horror vet, I feel. Yeah. Um, some will argue not, but I feel <laughs> I feel like, you know, if it's surprising enough, it, it should catch you off guard, and, and the game does mm-hmm. that quite often. But uh, otherwise, man, great game so far. Easily. I also love the weapon crafting with your bag where you like pull the bag off and you actually like, and also the guns get grimier, you know, they get dirtier. Oh my God. That gives me so much stress because like, I want to make some med kits, but I also want to clean my gun. It's, oh, it's so much. You know, the best part of that red dead, never I red dead Two, which I loved. uh, I never once cared if Mm -hmm. I fed Arthur. I never once cared if we bathed. I, I was the skinniest, stinkiest Arthur in that entire game ever. I just didn't give a fuck. I never cleaned the guns because it didn't really make an impact. But with Metro, especially Hardcore Ranger, where you can't even update. So in Hardcore, uh, you still have repair stations some places in the world. But Hardcore Ranger, which is why you can't switch to it once you've started a game, it actually adjusts the geometry of the game and removes some of those. And so... you like get a gun and you look and when you clean it, it actually does improve it enough. And especially something like the pneumatic gun, which once it starts to run out of air, it is like spitting at somebody. It just doesn't yeah, do was, any. I thought it, that was a plus right. When he said you might as well spit bullets at him. If this thing runs out of pump or something like that. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. A plus that a plus. Yeah. And it was, and it's so cool to be able to upgrade that too. Cause a lot of games will have a basic weapon. You can't upgrade for reasons that never really make sense. Like for mm-hmm. example, a lot of games will have a knife. And I've always wished that the game had a knife, but then later, like, could you make the knife bigger? Could you do, you know, it's your default weapon. With that game, the pneumatic is default, but you can get the better air canisters and all this crazy stuff for it. And you can turn it into, like, this, you know, silenced death machine from super far away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. There's some seriously cool weapon designs, enemy designs. The environment's fantastic. Exploration, satisfying, enjoyable rewarding uh it's got all the marks of a game that i know i'm gonna love it's just about the story really taking hold of me which i hear picks up especially later on in the game yeah if you there's without ruining it there yes there's multiple endings i got the bad one um well like i tried to shoot the kid the first time the kid shot showed up like there do you have you got in the first place where you're saving people and bringing them to the train have you got to that point yet uh yeah the yeah, lady yeah, and her yeah, yeah. Okay. child I was, I was yeah. trying to remember yeah yeah yes, yes, yeah yes, yes. i'm not ruining anything i knew i figured you were there because you're in that spot but the lady and the kid come back to the train and the first thing i did was cock the gun and try to shoot the kid i'm like i want the worst ending possible like uh, that's always the way i am i want to be as bad and as evil as well, possible games which, always make it easy to be good but is it 
how much do they is, almost right they make they people. don't make it easy to be bad right and so in this one um i did i definitely bet in like wow were you actually like, able I could to t- shoot the no anyway? i wasn't able to shoot the kid no i tried no it, it wouldn't it did the say, thing where i if they actually just straight up allowed that oh dude well look at outer worlds that's why I'm excited for Outer Worlds. They said you can kill everybody, and I'm like, before I review the game, the first thing I'm doing is killing every single person. Like, that'll be... Because I just want to see what happens. But no, I tried it. wouldn't fire. You know, it does that kind of thing, where it's like, you know, it won't do anything. But I love how this game has you holster your weapon, and it'll change the way they talk. So, like, you'll have your gun up, and they'll be like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then if you hold... If you... On the controller, if you can't... I can't remember what it is. I think it's just hold down on the digital pad. He'll, he'll like, put his gun down. Oh, yeah, And yeah. then they'll talk differently. Yeah, I thought holster. that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, little things like that, man. Like, the option to do it. Uh, yeah. I love that stuff. Like, when I'm in Fallout 4, just the first example that comes to mind, you're talking, I just got my gun, like, up in your face the whole yeah. time. Rubbing against their nose. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, hey, man, and you it, look good. <laughs> especially because they toggle it to a button. I like that. Because sometimes the game, especially in Fallout 4, actually, sometimes the gun will come to your side. But mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time, it's right in their face. I just like the option of, even if it's just an immersion thing, just give me the option to tuck it to the side. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. One well, of the better parts. Yeah. Great game, though, so far. And I'll probably have my full review out within, like, a week or two just because uh, I can't exclusively stream that game. I like it too much. <laughs> but uh, that'll that'll wrap up all we've got for Episode 191 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Uh, hopefully, come next week, we got a little jingle for Flickabuck. That'll be exciting. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I haven't received a response back yet. Uh, but this morning was as soon as he. Con- As a matter of fact, I'll ask the moment we get off this. All right, just see no what rush on his behalf. But that that'd I'm be cool if that. it's. Yeah, that'd be funny to see what <laughs> what he has. <laughs> I I was not expecting that tweet. It was, was just I. like, hey man, when you dropped that in my lap, I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, it was just like uh, you guys like this. I I love the I love the ham radio broadcast. I want to write a jingle <laughs> for it, and I was like, uh, I don't want to pay anybody money, and I don't want them getting all pissy. But then I talked to him, and yeah, he's very cool. Cool, so. cool. All right, well, we hope all of you enjoyed episode 191 of the Ham Radio Podcast, and we will catch you all next week. Peace out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.